All right. Welcome to WP DevTable episode 13. The DevTable is a hangout with developers in a loose roundtable-like format where we talk about tools, best practices, tips, and most importantly, WordPress. Trying to broadcast every Monday, and we're doing a pretty good job at it, if I must say so myself. Um, but to stay in the know, you might want to just subscribe via email at wpdevtable.com slash subscribe or follow us on the various social media outlets like Twitter and Facebook and everything. You can just search for WP Dev Table. So today we have on Ethan Henson. He's a senior developer at Blue Tent Marketing. Uh, it's, a, it's an odd kind of mix in that he's both a Drupal and a WordPress developer. So thought he would be perfect to bring on the show and talk about how he sorts through his every day in both realms and uh, and and really get into his mind in, in how he <laughs> how he's doing black and white every single day. So Ethan, welcome to the show. Why don't you give us a little intro to who you are? Thanks, Jason. Um, as Jason said, I'm a senior developer and architect at uh, Bluetent, Bluetent.com. We focus mainly on the uh, travel tourism industry with uh, quite a bit of real estate mixed in and then everything else kind of after that. Uh, we help people build marketing websites, develop custom applications, uh, automate business infrastructure and uh, provide consulting for hosting and pretty much anything you can think of. Uh, it's a full stack shop, SEO, the whole nine, so uh, we take a pretty holistic approach to the way we develop software. Great. Glad to have you on board. And as always, Tom, welcome. Hey, I'm still Tom. Uh, so I work at Ali Interactive. I'm the principal, a principal software developer there. Um, We're an agency that focuses mostly on uh, big news media companies and media-like companies, including large nonprofits and stuff, and we're a WordPress VIP partner. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we do some similar stuff uh, as Ethan as far as the web dev goes, but we don't really do focus too much on... Uh, the marketing or creating specific SEO strategies and that kind of stuff. So, kind of going to be kind of interesting to to hear about how you guys offer that uh, entire package together. And always, I'm Jason. I provide monthly development resources to design and marketing businesses as well as established startups. I'm also the guy behind WP Field Guides, which helps those using WordPress by learning the best practices behind it. So. Ethan, um, what's your what what's your exact role at Blue Tent? Uh, I guess my title would be uh, technical lead, chief architect, something along those lines. Where we uh, don't put too much in titles at Blue Tent outside, unless you've got a C beside your name. Um, and then yeah, I I started at Blue Tent as a search engine optimization tech after moving to Colorado from five years freelancing on the East Coast and. Uh, Screen was just looking for a spot on the team, uh, and search marketing where they had a spot, and then kind of worked my way up to developer after approving myself, and have since um, taken a leadership role on the development teams, sort of overseeing quality and implementation standards and things of that nature. Uh, our team is, let's see, we've got five guys doing WordPress and anywhere from 12 to 14 all told depending on the sort of contractors um, at the time at the at that given time you know uh, anywhere from Russia Brazil 
Uh, Jason's worked with us some. Um, yeah, so it's a big group of diverse guys, a lot of opinions, uh, and so it's an interesting mix of people. So how do you make the move from SEO to development, or you always wanted to do development? Well, I've, in the freelance days, I was a developer to start, uh, but just kind of doing my own thing, and then um, necessity is the mother of invention, so I, I needed a job, and uh, uh, they had a spot on the search engine optimization team for technical search guys, kind of helping out with 301 redirects and trying to analyze the way that Google sort of crawls our websites and how that crawl budget's being used. Um, and then a spot opened up on the development team, and I had been, you know, doing some sort of technical support stuff for those guys, and it was just a, it was a natural move when the spot opened up. I was a first a front-end developer and then kind of got more into back-end DevOps sort of stuff as uh, things progressed. Cool. So with you guys doing SEO and stuff, uh, are you using Google Custom Search Engine at all on your sites? Uh, no. We actually um, are using Elasticsearch a little bit for WordPress, and then we're also uh, using Solar mainly for searching on uh, Drupal sites. Cool. Uh, what are you using to integrate Elasticsearch into your sites? There's actually a proprietary plugin that we're using a bit with uh, Amazon EC2 instances cool. to provide the hardware for that stuff. Gotcha. Are, are you only powering search with that, or are you like hijacking WP Query as well? No, we're not hijacking here. WP Query. It's our it's our first foray into that. Stuff's mm -hmm. a little new to us in that regard, so uh, the site search stuff seemed like a logical first step for us. Gotcha. Cool. So how big is, um, did you, you, you did Drupal first, correct? And then you moved into WordPress? I was WordPress, WordPress was what I cut my teeth on as a, it was the first, that was how I sort of learned PHP low those many years ago, um, was, was with WordPress. And Blue Tent had exclusively been a Drupal shop um, until I came on board as a developer and we actually saw an opportunity of it. It was actually born out of sales where uh, we literally couldn't deliver a high-quality website for you know under $30,000 or $40,000. There was no entry-level product. And most of that we found was sort of inefficiencies in the Drupal theme and render layer that made just rendering a beautiful website a little more difficult. Um, and so... Uh, I actually went home on Christmas break and developed a developed a sort of spin-up product for, uh, you know, a five to ten thousand dollar website solution that we could begin to use at Blue Tent, uh, built on WordPress, uh, with the motivation being that uh, the theme layer is so much less complicated than what Drupal offers that we could build beautiful websites at a lower price point. Nice. So, what would you consider? I guess the percentage of Drupal sites to WordPress sites now that you. You, now that Blue Tent has kind of adopted both? I think probably 60-40, 60% Drupal still, 40% WordPress. Reason being that for our vacation rental companies and clients, we've developed proprietary software for that that is built on Drupal specifically, and that's a large segment of our business. So to even see WordPress taking 40% of that is a, is a big leap over where we were. We, I think we host somewhere between 550 and 600 client, individual clients, uh, all WordPress, Drupal, and then there's a smattering of, uh, of a proprietary CMS called the Site Management Console 
that we, we don't really do much of that anymore. It's all pretty much WordPress and Drupal these days. So are you guys still doing new builds with Drupal, or are most of those Drupal projects like maintenance and ongoing? No, we're just, we spin up uh, probably two to three new Drupal sites a week. Gotcha. So those guys are running Drupal 7 then? Yep, Drupal 7. Uh, we've got a few Drupal 6 out there, but we have been pretty good about getting people up to date with uh, Drupal 7. And I, guys, I think there's even a couple Drupal 5 still floating out there if people would just uh, won't jump ship. Um, but, yeah, those present some pretty interesting challenges away from everything else in terms of uh, deployments and things of that nature. Uh, things get a little interesting with those guys. What kind of challenges do you think you're going to face once Drupal 8 rolls out? Uh, I'm actually a little... I'm actually quite excited about Drupal 8 for a couple of reasons. One, um, if you're familiar at all with Drupal 5, 4, 5, 6, and 7, there are a lot of Drupalisms, uh, things that have to be done in a very specific way. Uh, Drupal 8 gets away from that a little bit with PSR0 namespaces and actual sort of modern PHP coding practices that are going to make it a little more familiar to modern PHP developers as opposed to 5,000 lines of procedural code in one module file. Um, so the, the talent pool will increase substantially, I believe, and then also the commitment that, that the Drupal Association made to um, RESTful web services for Drupal 8. Every entity and every entity type and every view um, receives a JSON endpoint. Uh, that is, is readily making it readily available for sort of headless consumption, if you will, from uh, uh, Angular, React, Ember, those, those sort of things. Have you been taking advantage of any of those technologies like the Embers and the Reacts uh, in the WordPress projects as well? We have begun exploring the WordPress API. Uh, we have a couple of clients coming up that are requesting mobile applications uh, that we're going to investigate whether that's stable enough to use. Right now, uh, I, I believe that the 2.x branch is either close to release or has been released for the WordPress API, and so I'm pretty excited to see what that's going to allow us to do. Um, I believe that JavaScript is very nearly consuming HTML and CSS going forward, and that we're going to see a lot more of these sort of uh, headless frameworks you know, take hold of that. I think especially from our, from an agency perspective, the only thing stopping us from really developing websites for that platform is search engine optimization. And the fact that uh, the, the effort in relation to getting Google to call that correctly and then just providing interfaces for simple things like meta tags and title tags is a little more challenging in my experience. Um, we've used those things for mobile applications with Ionic Framework um, specifically with great success. Uh, and, yeah, just looking to how we can make that a bigger part of what we do. Gotcha. Yeah, the API, uh, the 2x branch, did release as a WordPress plugin on .org, so that's available to everyone to use now, which is pretty neat. Uh, I was looking through the docs the other day regarding the changes between the 1x and the 2x branch, and it really didn't seem all that difficult to go and migrate something that's currently using the 1x branch of the API over to the 2x. So definitely promising for those early adopters, you know, that they're not getting burned. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, that's a, unfortunately something we're all too familiar with from the Drupal community of everything is a rewrite, uh, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. um, and so that makes upgrade path a little interesting, but um, yeah, there, I, I, there, there are advantages to both, I suppose. So Blue Tent's already doing mobile app development then? Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah. are, are, is any of that native, or you're mostly utilizing APIs within Drupal? Uh, it, not native in that we're writing sort of Objective-C applications. We're using Ionic to compile mm-hmm. into, into those native frameworks. Um, and yeah, the, the Drupal or WordPress providing sort of uh, just JSON endpoints um, has been our has been our pathway for that. With WordPress, it's a bit more of a manual process to date if you're not using WP API in terms of just writing the endpoint yourself. Drupal does provide a couple of contrib modules and the services module, the RESTful module that um, provides some of that functionality as well that are actually quite stable and, and quite handy. Uh, can you go into what Ionic is a little bit? I'm not really familiar with that. Ionic is uh, is similar to PhoneGap. Um, it's it's built on Angular and it just compiles into either native Android or iOS application. Um, it is a bit like Foundation and Bootstrap in that it provides you with a sort of core set of components out of the box. You know, uh, off canvas solutions. Uh, all sorts of different menus and things of that nature, panes and panels that you can put content in. Um, and then it's up to you to kind of provide the back end for that that fills in the blanks, if you will. Gotcha. Have you played with React Native at all? No. React is uh, something new to me. That I, ha- I haven't had time to mess with that yet. Gotcha. Yeah, because I understand I... that that's going to be the one that will consume um, Angular. Yeah, that sounds neat. Uh, I saw a post come through on post status. It was written elsewhere. I'll link it in the show notes. But it was a tutorial series about using the WordPress API along with React Native as like a tu- uh, as a way to get familiar with using the API itself along with creating a mobile app, which I don't really particularly care too much about. I'd rather learn one new thing at a time. And it's kind of like hitting me at both ends with, okay, we're building you know a native-ish uh, app as well as learning the WordPress API. But uh, definitely one of those things that'll be fun to look into, at least to get more familiar with things as it gets closer to becoming part of WordPress core. We, we have a partner that we work with that's actually um, um, building applications with React that has been evangelizing that to us for some time now. It's been a matter of context for us in trying to find a, a time to break away from paid client work to uh, you know, spin the development team off for a couple of days on some sort of pet project or something. So just trying to find the context to do it. Yeah, yeah, I messed around with React. That, you know, I was, like, trying to learn the API as well as React at the same time. I'm like, okay, my brain is about to short circuit. There's too much stuff going on at the same time. So, yeah. so Ethan, how, you said that you essentially went off on Christmas and decided to make a product for Blue Tent and change it to WordPress, how, did, how was that received after the New Year? Did they think that you just drank too much on the, on the <laughs> holiday or what? Like, was that, was it well received or was it, was no, there some it was, friction? It was, uh, it was well received with the exception of the grumpy developers. Um, uh, the sales and um, upper management obviously is super happy to have anything new that they can go out and sell. Um, so it's, it's from our agency and our, our you know, partners are uh, progressive thinkers that like to kind of put us in a position to make decisions and do cool stuff, and so that uh, they were stoked to to have a new thing to go out and and uh, it was it was good for us. It was a good learning experience for me in terms of understanding how product development works uh, inside an agency and how soft how to maintain software. Um, and yeah, so it was a win win for for both myself and Blue Tent in that regard. So those grumpy developers. Um 
did you kind of just say, listen, we're doing this, it's going forward, you're going to have to deal with it? Or did was there some, like, education that came around with it? Or how, a lot how of did education. They... There was, um, and I think actually, at some point as developers, all this stuff is just code, whether it's JavaScript, it's PHP, WordPress, Drupal, at some point it's just PHP code. Right. So once the once the developers got a little more comfortable with the paradigms and practices that, that WordPress uses, uh, we were off and rolling. The rest of the agency was actually a little more difficult. You have account managers and you know people that that may have been with this organization for eight ten years and have only ever used Drupal to manage their clients' websites. You know if we we offer a service called Managed Services where you can essentially hire us to be your marketing uh, department and teaching those guys the differences between you know Yoast SEO and, and meta tag plugins and things of that nature for WordPress was far more time consuming for me at first than it was of getting the development team up to speed. So what how did you kind of e ease that their pain I guess? How did you was there some did you guys go to WordCamps, get some education on online class like WP sessions or something like that? Oh, it was actually mostly internal. Um, I held Friday meetings. Uh, it was just open to the entire company. We would take um, sort of recommendations on what the coursework would be for that week. Uh, given a task, how do I how do I change the homepage meta tags to use um, tokens or short codes or something? Or or how do I um, how do how do I edit this content type? How do I uh, you know just the sort of basic one on one stuff that we could do in the shop, on a hangout, or something of that nature. Skype, I think at the time, was what we were using. Um, and yeah, I, I think that was a really effective uh, tool for us. It's just the just internal sort of training documentation and things. So most of the crew is cross-trained between Drupal and WordPress then? Yep. Yep. We actually we have a team of uh, account, manager, account managers and whatnot. I'd say 20 to 25 people, I think. Um, and most of them are proficient now in sort of basic content editing stuff in WordPress as well as Drupal. And developer-wise as well, or mostly on the content end? Uh, both, yeah. We, uh, we're, I'm constantly adding new guys to the WordPress team on kind of an as-needed as -needed basis, if you will. There's a core group of four of us that um, I would consider senior devs in the WordPress space, and then everyone else is kind of a mid-level dev. Uh, in that regard, and we, um, it's a bit of trial by fire, fire in that direction. I really believe that the only way to get your head around this stuff is to do it and to do it right, uh, and so I, I typically throw guys right to the fire, and we just, <laughs> we work it out as a group, you know. It's a collegial group of guys that kind of like to work and learn from one another, so I, I think that's worked well for us. So how, do, how does, when when your team gets a project, do is it already coming to you as a WordPress or a Drupal project, or do you guys have a, a kind of like a decision-making There's uh, a decision-making There's a decision-making process for sure. Um, I have uh, been hot on having a developer resource in all of our sort of sales meetings with our clients um, to really get at what business problems people are trying to solve. Uh, and then we'll form a recommendation based on what our client is trying to do. I try really hard to have no preconceived notions about what platform is going to be best. The one exception to that is, again, in the vacation rental space for us where we have, you know, like 12-year investment 
in a piece of proprietary Drupal software that, that's already kind of connected there. So um, they could do that in WordPress, and I could build that custom for you, but you'd be foregoing 12 years of sort of software development and learning that we've already put in. Uh, and so, yeah, there, that's kind of the one that's like it's, it's done, you're going to be on this product, and that's what we're using. Everything else is uh, very much up for discussion. That's cool to hear. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm always a big proponent of let the business drive the technology and not the other way around, so it's kind of refreshing to hear that. So just like with Ali, we focus on big media and stuff. A couple of our uh, original founders had backgrounds in that kind of space and connections there, so we initially went towards those kind of clients and then over time specialized in doing uh, media clients and that became our differentiating factor over time. So what brought your company over to, to the travel side of things? Uh, that started long before I was with Blue Tent, and I think that some of that is geography a bit. We're located right outside of Aspen, the Roaring Fork Valley here in Colorado, and travel, the travel industry is huge here. Um, HomeAway Software um, is located, some of their offices are here, Reststream, some of their offices are here, and uh, it just makes sense, you know. Just I, I think at the time, Peter Scott and Jay Shear, who who founded our company, uh, had a lot of connections in that industry, and it just it made sense. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's um, it's been a good move for us. It's been um, interesting to see how those things. It's a very niche specific thing, right? Travel, and it's been interesting to see how that has evolved and the lessons we've learned in travel. Uh, apply to even other industries, and I don't know. Just like code is code, at some point business is business. At, at some point, right? And at this point, your travel clients—they're far and wide, right? It's not just uh, centralized geographically anymore. Yeah, we we um, let's see, Italy, Japan, Hawaii. There's um, it's it's worldwide. Yeah, that's definitely far and wide. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see, what else do we got for you? Um, I'm mostly more interested in the, the WordPress stuff, obviously. My Drupal skills are way uh, below yours, obviously. But uh, so what, do, what are you guys usually using when you're starting a WordPress project? Like, is there a starter theme that you go to? We developed our own starter theme. You can, I think it's public on GitHub. If it's not, I'll make it public. It's uh, called Cabana. Um, and it's, it's basically bourbon, sass, and meat, and a very, very minimalistic, set of templates, and uh, I like to start with a clean slate, typically. I don't like to have too much stuff. I like to have a few boilerplate things done for me, but not too much that it's kind of in the way. So, like, uh, it has a grid system, maybe, but that's yeah. about it. Yep, that we get that from Bourbon, mm -hmm. uh, or, Bur excuse me, Bourbon's the next thing uh, is the grid. Um, and if you haven't used those things yet, I would encourage you to do that. We've moved away as much as possible from Bootstrap and Foundation just because there's too much done already. Uh, and find our, we find we're ripping out more than we're building uh, with some of those things. Um, from a plugins perspective, it's pretty pretty lean and mean. We do use advanced custom fields because we are a bit spoiled on the fields API from Drupal. I don't want to write any code to build native boxes if I don't need to. Um, I like to have that API just sort of done for me. I can if I need to, but um, I typically find there's less value in writing that sort of code for our clients. Uh, when there's when there's something out of the box, um, and gravity forms, I think that's really about all we start with. Um, yeah, so, so go for it, Jason. Uh, I was just thinking. So, 
when you're building the WordPress sites and you kind of start with this, you know, with this boilerplate that you guys have, have I guess, outlined, um, once you get into deployment and continuous integration, I, I think you mentioned that you were doing some of that as well. When does all of that start really getting into the into the mix right away? Or yeah, day one. Day one our um, we use Jenkins CI to automate all of our even provisionings of sort of V hosts and development environments and everything. So continuous integration is set up day one. Uh, we use a fork and pull model during development, so each developer works in their own fork, and then Dev Branch equates to the Dev Environment. Master is the production environment. We don't actually spin up stage sites anymore because we use Jenkins to do that on demand, provision a vhost, and actually clone Master production to a sort of stage environment for like ticket acceptance and things like that. Um, but it's been something. It's taken us about. I'd say six months to really get it tight where it works every time sort of flawlessly. Um, but really that, you know, getting that off the ground was difficult, but now that it's up and running, it's pretty easy to maintain. Um, there is a, there's a set of shell scripts for WordPress and there's a set of, set of shell scripts for Drupal. We developed um, a moniker system for all of our individual vhosts, so all of our sites receive a four-letter moniker four-letter moniker, it's difficult to say, uh, starting with either a W or a D. And so we can tell just by the first character of the site's moniker whether it's a WordPress or Drupal, and that's how we sort of key our logic for Jenkins to know what to pull and to know what sort of update routines to run. Uh, and we sort of, we, we institute a policy of if you have to go into the development or the production environment after your code's been deployed and click any boxes, you're doing it. And so we actually have uh, Drupal offers hook update in, which is a way for modules to determine whether there are update procedures that need to occur for the database. And then WordPress, we're actually just storing a version in like a site plugin, like you know it might be moniker-site is the plugin name. And then we just keep a schema version stored there and developers increment that schema version as needed to trigger uh, some PHP code to run and set any options or perhaps import some posts that may be storing configuration somewhere or something along those lines. That's actually been one of the more difficult parts of the whole thing is getting to a standardized workflow for WordPress because it's a bit more Wild Wild West with plugin versions and schema versions than Drupal is, uh, in my experience at least. And so the coming up with a system for that was a, was a bit of a challenge, but we've got something that's pretty good today. You guys use any WPCLI scripts or yeah. anything? We use WPCLI to uh, provision and install WordPress. Uh, we're using that on an as-needed basis for uh, some core updates on a few of our websites. Um, and then we're also using, I use WPCLI every day for plug-in installs. We, we, have, we actually have, there is no such thing as FTP or SFTP access at Bluetent. Um, so you can't actually upload themes or plugins via the UI. Um, so WPCLI is a, is a requirement. We're actually using HipChat and Jenkins, um, a fork of Hubot and the Bluebot, to perform some of those tasks for non-devs. Uh, non uh, say I need to install a plugin in development on the account manager, I can actually ask 
uh, Bluebot to do that for me as opposed to creating a task for a developer to do it. That's cool. So you mentioned the Elasticsearch is on Amazon. Are your sites all hosted there as well? No, that's a very selected number of things. That's a bit of a test test bed for us right now. Um, that Amazon stuff is is quite intriguing to me from a developer perspective. Migrating five or six hundred sites doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun to me right now, though. So uh, it's going to have to be a pretty compelling argument, I think, for us to to do that from a performance perspective. So where are they staying now? Uh, Black Mesh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We um, we have five dedicated servers that we that we host with Black Mesh, um, and then they're they're actually fantastic from customer support perspective. And we of course have full root level access. We administer most of that stuff ourselves. If we need new hardware or something, we'll rely on them. But Jenkins and myself are doing most of the administration there. So are you guys doing unit testing too? Because usually when I've used Jenkins it's only for testing. Uh, we, we are actually moving away from unit testing and looking more at behavior driven testing with BHAT. Reason being that um, unit tests and WordPress and Drupal in my experience are time consuming and frankly don't provide that much value in a custom web project context. It's more about whether the thing works, whether it loaded, what it was supposed to load, and those things, and that has been fantastic for that. So the essentially master branches monitor to make sure that BHAD tests pass before it merges to master, and it will fail your build for you if, if your tests don't pass. Gotcha. I imagine the travel industry is one where accessibility concerns might become important in the websites. Do you guys do anything special around that? I don't think we do anything special. I think we try to follow those sort of outline best practices, alt and title tags, uh, making sure that things, uh, that screen reader prompts are there, visible, and, and work correctly. Um, accessibility has been kind of a challenge for us. It's, uh, it's oftentimes expensive, and people aren't really willing to pay for it because they don't understand it. Um, so it has been something that we've tried to evangelize to clients. And uh, it's, it's actually interesting that you bring that up. Coming out of the last conference I attended, it was one of our sort of top five things to go back and make sure that people on in our agency understand the value of it and that we can properly kind of communicate that to clients. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that I find challenging but also very interesting. So usually when I'm going to a conference, I'll make a point of attending the accessibility talks because I know I'm always going to learn something new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's always... There's always something in those for sure, whether it's, um, you know, like tab index, Chrome and the bugs with that and all those things. That was the new thing I learned last time I was there. Yeah. Uh, I, last talk I went to, someone was talking about forms and uh, going and having, I, I think it was the tab index. So, like, the first thing you uh, tab to with keyboard navigation, it goes and, like, pulls you down to the bottom of the page where the form exists and yep. it takes you out of the context of going through, like, regular site navigation and that kind of stuff. It's a totally different sort of workflow for your users uh, than, you know, when you start to think about someone being blind or deaf. It's, uh, it's an interesting challenge for sure. And even just smaller things like contrast ratios, you know, for, I, for the colorblind. Yeah, our, um, that, that's actually, we, we moved away um, from PSDs a number of years ago, or a number of months ago, 18, 24 months ago now, and um, 
that was one of the first things that our creative director started working on when we started doing what we call in style tiles, which is just essentially the brand representation boiled down into kind of a one-sheeter. And it was, it was really interesting to make sure that even the style tile could be seen by someone who was perhaps colorblind, just the contrast. It's, it's interesting stuff. Yeah, when I first started speaking at WordCamps a few years ago, I was talking about slider plugins, and those obviously pose a lot of accessibility issues, which I was very naive to at the time. Uh, so when I started getting questions during the Q&A portion, uh, they were mostly coming from people in the education and government space, where those are things that have to be there. There is no leeway about it. It has to meet certain standards, right? So they're asking me things about like flicker rate of the animations, and I'm just like, I have no idea if this <laughs> is accessible, which means, hey, it's probably not. Yeah. And sliders probably are probably not. Yeah. yeah, I mean, sliders tend to go and add a whole bunch of extra markup in there, especially if they're doing like fancy animations within each slide, where they have text coming in from one area and you know something yeah. coming in from the side. So that makes it definitely very difficult for a screen reader. Plus, with images, you tend to see the text being flattened down into the image itself rather than actual text on the page. So then there's just like absolutely nothing you can do. <laughs> Which comes down to understanding how to use your tools properly and like what is the proper way to show a slider and what kind of content should be served in it. Right. Yep. Yeah. So how do you guys handle multiple languages and things like that? Do you guys write the content for your clients in the different multiple languages or that's kind of left up to the client themselves? The content is left up to the client themselves. We will um, we will help vet uh, you know, outsourcing partners to translate things for them or they'll bring it themselves. It's typically going to be on Bluetent to provide the technical implementation there and to perhaps form a recommendation for them in terms of who can translate it for them, but I don't want to pretend to be too multilingual in terms of, uh, I'm not going to write a bunch of Spanish content and French content for you. Uh, I, I can give you somewhere to put that, <laughs> but, but you'll need someone to write it for you. Yeah, I heard someone talking about using Google Translate on their site, uh, sites recently, and while it would go and translate the words properly, the context were just so incorrect that nothing made any sense at all. Yeah, I will I will put Google Translate on your site for you, but uh, it, it will come with a stiff recommendation to not first. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned using plugins like ACF and Gravity Forms. Is, is there anything new that you've seen that maybe you're, you're excited to go and try out in the future? I'm excited about the WordPress field API. Um, Me too. <laughs> and where that's going to lead us. Um, I have long felt that there are two things, um, and I have not seen good solutions for this outside of Gravity Forms, I suppose, um, of a form API and a fields API, an extension of the sort of meta box um, or the metadata API, whatever, whatever it's called. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really excited about fields, and I'm interested to see how the internals of that will play out and how that is going to work with forms. Um, I would really love an open source, non-paid plugin for, for forms. That makes a lot of sense. So I was in the core fields chat today with uh, Scott Kingsley, Kingsley Clark. Wow, that was hard to say. Uh, <laughs> and he's going to be on the show next week, uh, funny enough. So we'll be talking about fields all next week. Um, but it's, I mean, it's obviously still in the early stages. It probably exists just as much in a Google Doc as it does in a GitHub repo right now. Uh, but I think it's definitely important to go and hash all that, those data problems out before we start coding. Uh, yeah. I mean, we have to be backwards compatible till the end of time, right? right? So 
it'll definitely be cool to have one to rule them all because, I mean, we have a billion custom fields plugins right now, whether it be ACF, CMB2, custom metaboxes, field manager, whatever. Uh, so having one standard way to save everything I think will be great, and I think we'll go and see a lot of these custom meta field plugins utilizing the core fields API once that comes rather than doing things themselves just from a maintainability standpoint. Yeah. Uh, as I guess it could definitely be used for forms. Um, it hasn't been something that we've talked about a whole lot yet, but I mean, really, that just comes out to extending a field to being on the front end, right? Yep. So. And I, I think that's the. Um, I think that will be a big level up for the WordPress community in terms of, like, like you say, the maintainability of things. Right now, we eventually selected advanced custom fields um, because the UI was fantastic, and um, there, there was there was an underlying API that seemed relatively easy to extend with classes and things and object-oriented nature that really made sense. Um, but the freemium model uh, just poses so many problems for uh, DevOps teams in terms of deploying things and maintaining updates. It means um, some very specific update routines for very specific sites that have paid plugins and uh, I would really love to see the WordPress community be able to evolve away from from that, and I think a standardized form and field API get us a whole heck of a lot closer because those are, uh, you know, if you're building custom applications, those are the underpinnings of everything. You've got to have those things. Sure. Um, Going into ACF a little bit more and how you're using it, um, if you go on their site, they, they go and they say, hey, we have like two ways you can use this. You could either go and throw the whole plugin inside of your theme wholesale, or you can go and install it as a plugin. Uh, which one are you are you using out of curiosity? I've used both. I, it doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside to throw an entire plugin into a theme. Mm -hmm. um, but I have done it. There have been cases where there were microsites that um, you know were deploying twenty of these things, uh, and just having one theme to install to go and like clone and get repo enable and have all that stuff in uh, one spot and you know one bash command to get things done was really attractive. For the most part, though, we're just installing it as a plugin, exporting the fields to XML during dev, and then exporting the fields to PHP once that work has been accepted. Um, How have the uh, XML exports been working out for you? Fantastic. Yeah. I, I haven't had any problems to date with them. I did sort of paint myself in the corner with the PHP exports at one point because you can't actually re-import them and then edit the fields again. Right. So I ended up uh, having to sort of edit some PHP export files and modify those quite a bit, which was painful. But after we got uh, the sort of workflow down of XML during dev and then PHP when things have been accepted and working, uh, it's worked great for us. Um, I think that's another, that's going to be another area of opportunity. There was a, there's a, WordPress options export plugin where we can actually export site configuration to code. Um, and for a shop like us with a fairly sophisticated workflow with multiple environments and multiple multiple developers and version control, exporting all of that configuration to JSON or YAML um, is critical. Um, being able to being able to replicate state across different different environments. Yeah, I know there's a, um, a WPCLI plugin called Dictator that does that. Um, I know that it's kind of been, I think, backburnered at this point. The developer that I can't remember who it is, but it's very much like that. Um, you're basically exporting your configuration. Yeah, you're exporting the state of your site configurations, widgets, the whole nine yards. 
at that point and being able to move it around to various different environments and things. There's also um, a WPCLI plugin for WPMigrateDB, mm -hmm. and uh, it's actually a fork from the premium plugin that um, we've that we've used quite a bit that we've had good good success with, uh, and it offers a CLI tool for exporting databases and things of that nature. And then WPCLI, frankly, changed the game for us from a uh, replication perspective of, across environments of just the search and replace feature being baked into it of replacing site URL everywhere that is hard coded in the database um, has, has been uh, a big win for us in terms of automating some things. We definitely use WPCLI a lot at Alley, but I tend to be kind of stubborn in adopting new tools, so I still find myself writing raw SQL commands in the terminal. <laughs> rather than just using WPCLI. You'll love your life so much more when you adopt WPCLI. You don't have to do that anymore. It's, it's so much better. I completely believe you. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it took me until everyone I knew switched over from MAMP to Vagrant before I did it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm usually just a little slow to get in the game. <laughs> no, I understand. I, I'm a kind of an old man about it sometimes, too. I like, to, I like what I like, and I know it works. And bring me my dinner at 4, and I'll just be here writing SQL commands and stuff. But yeah. yeah, with a lot of our stuff being on uh, WordPress VIP as well, there's kind of like that layer between us and our code or, you know, the production code. So a lot of times we'll find ourselves having to go and write CLI scripts just to go and test data, like say we're going and converting a text taxonomy term or merging terms together and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We'll have to go and, you know, be like, oh, here's a script. Can you run that and give us the test results? Because wow. it's the only way that we can actually go and like, test that data. So it, it's been a lifesaver for those uh, those big you know, large-scale projects. Sure. So have you, you said you had some proprietary plugins, at least on the Drupal side. Have you started kind of building a library of, of custom proprietary plugins for WordPress that you might think about, you know, putting into the repository? Uh, I, I definitely think that there's, um, there's some things in the works. Uh, today I've been working on a lossless image compression. Um, and as you sort of upload attachments using JPEG Optim and OptiPNG, which are uh, sort of just Linux binaries that you can install um, to lossy compress images and, and do things of, of that nature. The, and then just general site performance uh, in terms of minifying all your assets, moving scripts to the footer. Um, I, the, the image compression plugin I hope to be done uh, actually, I'm going to work on that later tonight. Uh, and what it will introduce is a handler system where you can register a class and tell it what the MIME type is and, and associate that within a binary on your server or computer that can compress images for you. Um, so uh, I, I think that's one of the things we're evangelizing right now are just saving bytes and uh, making our websites more performant and just kind of following those gold practice standards of uh, software development and just doing things in a performant way. What kind of caching layers are you using? Uh, right now we're using just memcache. It's really all we need for, for most things. I have found uh, Drupal needs far more massaging as far as caching goes than WordPress does. Uh, the Drupal hook system inherently is less performant than what WordPress does. Uh, and then going back to, like I said earlier, the complex theme and render layer uh, makes makes some sort of caching a necessity. 
Uh, varnish has been on my list of things to do. We have not been able to get there yet uh, due to the nature of sort of our business in the travel space with real-time quotes and things like that. Um, it's really difficult to cash that stuff for any period of time and have accurate availability and rates. Um, so that has been historically one of our biggest challenges. Memcaches work great for us, though. So for stuff like that, have you tried using uh, like fragment caching and that kind of thing? No, that that's, um, yeah. I think this is this is probably one of our biggest area of opportunities as a shop right now is is sophisticated caching. Gotcha. Mark Jakewith wrote a really cool script that I like, and I got to implement it on a couple sites when I was working at How About We, which is a dating startup, and they had a bunch of media properties. But I, I got to use his script to go and do some nice um, fragment caching on this really non-performant sidebar that we had that was using a very non-performant plugin, which was uh, it was a popular post plugin, which was doing like two page rights per page, two database rights per page load, and yeah. it, it had some really funky, crazy queries that I had cached for like 12 hours at a time because they were disgusting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to. I have to check that out. Um, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's been something I've been getting a little more interested in. Uh, one of the sessions for Drupal then, in, that will come with Drupal eight uh, is Big Pipe uh, rendering, which um, will allow you to use some combination of JavaScript and PHP, and then just sort of static HTML files um, that should really boost performance sort of across the board. And then I'm also kind of excited in that same regard for HTTP2 uh, and parallel request processing and those sort of things that will make a lot of this stuff a whole lot better for, for us. That's one of those things I've read like one or two blog posts on, got really excited about, and then didn't think about it again. But I, I'm definitely looking forward to there being a day when like anyone can go and use that and have some good guidelines for actually using it. Well, in our, we have some really interesting context for HTTP2 because we, um, so we integrate with a lot of sort of web services and APIs, and we're pulling large amounts of data, you know, hundreds of listings with hundreds of fields, and, and you know, you've got 365 days of availability. It can be in any one of three states. And so um, the notion of being able to hit uh, each, sort of update each property with a parallel request and, and cut down on all that bandwidth is a, uh, interesting and quite intriguing. Really looking forward to the day when we can do that. Cool. So uh, what's up for you, what's up next for you and Blue Tent? Uh, I think over the next year from a development perspective, we're one of our big goals is to further the brand of our development team. Um, Blue Tent's pretty well known in the travel industry and a few other things, but we're looking to speak more frequently at conferences. Uh, contribute more to the open source community. Um, I, I really believe strongly in the WordPress and Drupal community alike that there's a lot of really smart people out there doing a lot of really good things, and that uh, there's a lot you know there's a lot of people pushing the software down the path. And so, Bluetooth would like to become a sort of bigger part in that, and um, you know have have our software on everyone's website. I think for, for us, the one opportunity I see uh, and have been working on for six or eight months now um, is a is views, um, a sort of query builder for WordPress to more easily create lists of content with you know filterable form fields and things like that. Um, but you know we're thousands of hours uh, away from that and thousands of hours into it, so it's. Um, 
it'll come down the pipe. But yeah. Cool. So this whole time, I can't help but look at those six comic book covers behind you. And I knew that I was coming. <laughs> yeah. They're quite beautiful. And, I mean, I tend to have, like, a nice handful around me, too. Awesome. So are you a reader or? Gosh, a long time ago, yeah. It was a big part of my life through uh, middle school and high school. Um, I find myself reading far more PHP code than comic books yeah, today. Right. Yeah. Are you still collect at all or? No, I, I gave that up long ago. Um, yeah, it's a lot of money and a lot of time that I would probably like to have back today. Sure. Are those real comics behind you? Or are they oh, just no, 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 no. They're like, they're like wood paintings. Uh, I found them somewhere. I, we were somewhere, a farmer's market or something, and uh, she was mad that my office walls were barren and uh, decided this is how we were going to fill them up. So that's what we did. Nice. Well, I, I like them a lot. They look good there. <laughs> yeah, no, I was always a, more of a Marvel guy, Marvel and Image growing up, Spawn mm -hmm. and uh, the X-Men. So, yeah, it's, uh, it just made sense. Totally. I, I mostly became a comic book guy like two years ago, maybe. So around the time I proposed to my wife, I kind of went into quarter-life crisis mode. <laughs> <laughs> I started going on Craigslist and buying out people's comic book collections, and I have amassed like thirty thousand comic books oh in God, like yeah. a six-month span. Yeah. On the plus side, my cost per unit was really low because I was buying in bulk, and now I'm opening a Etsy shop. So, like, <laughs> there is an end game. Maybe there wasn't an end game at the beginning. I was just kind of like obsessing about turning back into a twelve-year-old for a little bit. But uh, you know, now, now my wife is very unhappy that. Uh, these comic books are a reminder of what happened after I asked her to marry So now there's an Etsy shop that possibly an opportunity to forget that ever happened. Sure. <laughs> Tom's marriage is on the line.com. Yeah, it's like I need to sell these or I'm in trouble. <laughs> so anyway, thanks a ton for coming on and thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, our next show is going to be Monday, uh, probably close to the same time. Scott Kingsley-Clark is going to be on. We'll talk Core Fields API and a bunch of other geekery. Um, subscribe to us at wpdevtable slash subscribe. Uh, we're on Twitter, iTunes, RSS, uh, whatever else you can think of, email. Uh, and we'll have the show note notes up uh, later tonight. So uh, thanks a ton, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.